News Talk ZB and the New Zealand Herald present Cooking the Books with Francis Cook, demystifying your finances. Hi, I'm Francis Cook. Welcome to the show. Those who like to dabble in shares have had a dream run in recent years. Prices have gone up, dividends have been generous, and investors have happily raked in the returns. But there's a chill wind starting to blow. There have been rumblings for the last couple of years that the good days are set to end, and market watchdogs are only getting more dire in their predictions. The market regulator in France has warned that it's worried about a Wall Street crash, possibly as soon as this year. Meanwhile, market heavyweight Vanguard has told its investors to expect much lower returns over the next 10 years. While this all makes for a nice scary headline, it could actually be good news for some people. If someone is investing in shares over the long term and is ready to ride the roller coaster, you could even call this a golden opportunity. Newstalk ZB presents Cooking the Books with Francis Cook, boosting your business confidence. I'm joined now by Mark Fowler, Head of Investments at Hobson Wealth. Now, there's been a bit of caution running through investors lately, and certainly the people I've been talking to have been stepping a little carefully. There's been a few warnings recently that there might be a share market correction, which is a gentle way of saying that the shares will go down. How likely do you think that scenario is, and should people be concerned? Look, Francis, I think you know there is certainly a scenario that says you know we've had a very, very strong run, particularly in equity markets. Uh, and there is some belief out there that, you know, as you know, with, with any sort of cycle that ultimately they do come to an end at some point. But I guess the overarching theme that we always sort of say to our clients is that, you know, we're generally you know, advocating to invest for the long term. And so I guess the most difficult thing for investors is sort of ignoring that short term noise, if you like. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you sort of look at history, it shows that, you know, often when we do get a, a sort of decent equity price correction, that um, it's actually quite an opportune time to buy. So I guess, you know, particularly companies that have a track record of sort of delivering solid earnings and those sorts of things, you know, we are sort of saying to investors, if you can avoid the noise, then we think, you know, it's beneficial. So, you know, I would stick to your long-term investment goals and, and sort of don't be swayed into selling on, on negative sentiment. That's actually a really good point that it can Depending on your own personal situation, and of course everything we talk about here is quite general, um, always the case, but there is an argument that times like 2008 where there was a huge crash and a lot of people had very difficult times, I don't want to minimise that, for other people it was basically the share market on sale, wasn't it? Oh, absolutely. And I think, you know, looking back now, I know it's very easy to look in the sort of the rear vision mirror, but, you know, it was almost the opportunity of a lifetime. So, you know, for investors who, who did buy in at that time, I mean, the returns have been have been extraordinarily, you know, positive. Um, but, you know, but you do spare a thought for people that, you know, that were in it through the crash and, you know, to see sort of, in some cases, half your, your wealth eroded mm. and what would seem like almost overnight, then then it's, it's easier said than done. But but ultimately, as you say, you know, that was, that was an extremely good opportunity to enter the market. And I guess, you know, without trying to sound too technical, you know, it comes around that that whole point of almost averaging in as well. So, you know, whilst, you know, your, your existing holdings might be suffering, you know, you are sort of entering uh, other securities at a, at a much sort of cheaper price level. So, look, you know, it's not for everyone in terms of, um, you know, being able to sort of cope with that type of scenario. But as I say, you know, we, we do think that there's, you know, if you're in it for the long term, it does represent an opportunity. Yeah, I've got to say, it certainly affects my perspective, my age. I have just turned 30 and I am thinking very long term with my money. 
And that gives me quite a big risk appetite. So when I see talk of things like the share market going down, for myself, it doesn't actually put me off buying shares because I've already factored in markets going up and down. And I think, ooh, you know, a few things might go for a bargain. <laughs> yeah. But, you absolutely. know, you do consider a different strategy, right? So what do you tell your clients? Should they stop buying shares? Should they buy them differently? What's the plan? No, look, we think, you know, stay the course is really the message from us. I mean, within reason, if, you know, if there's a company that we, we don't like in particular or there's reasons, other factors, then, then absolutely, you know, we'd stay well clear of. But I think from an overall, overall investment strategy, you know, our, 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 you know, message and our sort of overriding message is, you know, if you are in it for the long term, then, you know, you want to have that, that allocation to growth. And so, you know, you can really sort of grow your wealth over an extended period of time. And I think one of the criticisms of KiwiSaver actually is that, people like yourself, Francis, at age 30 are in far too conservative funds. Mm. In fact, you know, they've sort of default into, into highly conservative. And really when, you're, when your outlook or your, you know, your, your term for investing is 30 years plus, then um, you know, we just don't think that's the appropriate sort of default setting, if you like. Mm, because, of course, as we saw, again, to reference 2008, but even it might have taken a bit longer, but even after that very famous 1987 crash, if you give it enough time, the market comes back. Look, absolutely. And we always sort of say it's not trying to, you know, time the market, it's it's time in the market. So I love that saying. Yes, I know it's an oldie but a goodie. But um <laughs> but look it but it really is true and and it's and, it, and it's you know, it's certainly stayed true in this cycle. And as I say, you know, we're sort of ten years now almost uh, with the GFC and the rear vision mirror, and it's been a very, very good time for for investors. And and in fact across all markets, whether that be equities, fixed income or, or property for that matter. Mm, and just for those who haven't heard that saying before, timing the market versus time in the market. The idea of timing the market is when you try to buy shares when you think they're as low as they're going to be and you try to sell them when you think they're as worth as much as they're going to be and it just, I I don't think it's a good idea. We, we do not have crystal balls. Um, but um, you do you, but I just don't think it's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> no. Look, Francis, I tend to agree. And, you know, look, even the sort of, you know, what we deem as some of the most savvy sort of market participants, you know, they'll all tell you that, you know, as, as much information as they have at their hands, they still can't predict, you know, how markets are going to behave over a certain time frame. So, look, I, I think uh, even, even the experts, the so-called experts, will have a difficult time with that strategy also. Oh, exactly. Exactly. All right. So what about moving on to uh, politics? What about this idea of a trade war? It's not only getting underway between the US and China, but it seems to actually be gathering speed a little bit and potentially spreading to some other countries. And the problem with these trade wars is that there are so many ways it could go. We don't know who's going to slap tariffs where. Is this a problem for the everyday person's finances and can you prepare for it? Look, I think it's very difficult to prepare for, but I do think, you know, it does have the potential, you know, particularly if the amount and the sort of range of tariffs continue to escalate. If you think of China, you know, in terms of New Zealand and Australia, I mean, China's a major trading partner of ours. And so if we saw a reduction in sort of Chinese incomes, um, then this could have a flow-on effect to sort of, you know, some of those key service exports of things like tourism and education, you know, which we are big benefactors of. Um, and so, you know, you could see local tourism operators or, as I say, you know, education providers, you know, not seeing that demand that they have seen, you know, through this recent cycle. So, look, that's probably a little bit of an extreme example, but I guess that is the sort of magnitude that, you know, that could potentially arise. I mean, our feel on it as a firm anyway is that, you know, we, we sort of think, 
whilst China are looking to be, you know, to retaliate, we do think that, you know, some sort of compromise will be reached. But ultimately, you know, it's, it's undoubtedly a risk and, and probably a greater risk than maybe the men on the street, you know, w- would realise. Right. So would that be in terms of it might put a dampener on the economy more generally? Is that sort of what you're meaning? Yeah, exactly. And exactly. And that sort of has a spillover effect to, to, to you know, normal people like ourselves in terms of our, you know, in terms of employment, jobs, opportunity, all those sorts of things. Mm. So whilst it's, it may seem a little indirect, you know, it does have the, um, the, you know, the potential to spill over. Yeah, well, exactly. Well, if we go back to shares, I mean, if there's a bit of a dampener on the economy, people aren't going to get as big of a dividend payout. No, exactly. And I think that's, you know, financial markets are certainly monitoring it very closely. And uh, it's certainly seen as a negative, you know, if this is to continue. And so ultimately, you know, markets are are hoping for some sort of resolution and compromise. And, you know, Trump has shown in the past that he is prepared to do that, but he does sort of operate with a sort of brinkmanship strategy where it seems to be at one extreme and then he sort of backs away from it. But look, it's, um, yeah, as I say, financial markets are, are watching it closely. Brinkmanship is a wonderfully polite way of putting his <laughs> strategies. <laughs> Very diplomatic. You could go into politics yourself. <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, actually, I did, uh, the idea of going into politics is my personal nightmare, but there we are. <laughs> so these issues of the share market falling or a trade war, to my mind, they're the biggest clouds on the horizon for the economy that I see at the moment. But what do you think? Do you think these are the biggest looming issues? Is there anything else that you're keeping an eye on? Look, I want, one thing that we are sort of keeping an eye on quite closely also is, you know, potential for rising interest rates. Mm. Um, and I think, look, there's no doubt that the level of household debt, you know, has increased significantly in this last cycle. And so, you know, ramifications of higher interest rates, you know, could be felt quite swiftly. But my own personal view, though, is that you know interest rates from a, a domestic standpoint, anyway, are unlikely to go higher anytime soon. Though I mean, I think the mere fact that we're not really seeing the wage growth pressures or that sort of broader inflationary measures creep up, um, then I don't it doesn't really point to the need for it. Um, I mean, the biggest inflationary outcome we've seen recently, obviously, is the is the the, the fuel tax. Um, but that's really you know that's that's as you say that's that's legislative rather than sort of ongoing inflationary pressures. So, look, I think, you know, rates are more likely to stay lower for longer here, but um, but it's certainly something that we see as, as a risk for, you know, both, both households and sort of global markets. That's actually, that's a really good point because if interest rates change, I mean, the obvious one is it changes things for anyone with a mortgage. But also I've, I feel a little sorry for those who are at the opposite end of the spectrum for me, those people who are, maybe at the end of their working lives or they are a conservative investor for whatever reason, it's really hard to get any sort of a return really at the moment on a savings account or a term deposit. The interest rates just aren't there. You don't get much. So if there is any change on the interest rates, would that change investment advice to your clients? Look, it does have the potential to to skew it. I mean, as you say, depending on your situation. So I think if you are, you know, at at the end of your working career, and so you have a sort of shorter term focus, then it is definitely ensuring that you know the sort of the comp- composition, I should say, sorry, of your underlying investments are you know sort of well diversified, and they do offer some protection in the event of a market event. So you know maybe that's a higher allocation to, as you say, more interest rate type sensitive instruments. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think, as I say, you know, if you do have a thirty year time horizon, then I think 
potentially, you know, you stay the course in terms of, of your investment horizon. But I think it's, it's a really valid point, Francis. You know, if you're, if you're reliant on income and you're looking for yield, then higher interest rates, you know, does actually offer some, some sort of potential for reward. And so, you know, you may look to sort of switch from a slightly more equity focus to, to fixed income as an example. Yes, maybe if any property investors are hitting the end of their career cycle, they can sell up and put it into term deposits all instead. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) This is a joke. This is not investment advice. (laughs) Now, of course, um, all of the issues really that we've mentioned are also going to impact KiwiSaver funds as well because often even the conservative KiwiSaver funds have a little bit in shares and if you're like me, higher risk appetite, and you're in a growth fund, there's a lot in shares. So what about for Kiwi savers? What should they keep in mind? Might we see funds go down a little in the near future? Look, I think in the short term, you know, that's definitely a scenario that can play out in terms of the impact on your performance. So, you know, if we were to see a higher interest rate environment and an equity market drawdown, then I think absolutely in the short term, you know, you may see your fund underperform, certainly relative to what it's done over the last five years. But, you know, I guess it's just a sort of an overriding theme in, in this interview, Francis, is that, you know, that's to us, that's still only a short term noise. Um, you know, we would think that, you know, KiwiSavers in particular is all about, you know, retirement funds. And so for a lot of people, you know, they're going to see multiple cycles. So, you know, we wouldn't be panicking on, on that front. Um, but you're, you're absolutely right, though, in the short term, you know, that volatility does mean that, you know, some of those KiwiSaver performance could, um, could come under some pressure. Yeah, and I always think, I mean, people who listen to this podcast, um, I, I like to think are people who like to know about money matters and so probably already know this, but I mean, maybe pass the message on, guys. You know, Kiwi Savers are not a savings account, and we've been quite lucky that Kiwi Savers only been ex- in existence, I think we're coming up to 11 years now, but it's been quite a good time for investment funds in that time, and then I think... People are going to see whenever we do eventually hit a rough patch, they're going to see KiwiSaver accounts go down. They're thinking of it often like a savings account and people might panic, whereas it's actually not really reason to panic, is it? No, look, it's not. And I guess one of the advantages of KiwiSaver is there is that tie up unless you are getting money out for you know first home buyers or in a, in a case of hardship. So I guess even if it does look negative, there's not the ability to take that money out, which I think is, is, a, is a real sort of material benefit to, to investors. So, But it is interesting, as you say, uh, it will be an, a unique experience, let's just say, for people to see their balances sort of potentially go the other way in the short term. So, you know, it's just something. But I think, again, it's just around you know, the, the, the communication as to why that's happening and, and to understand the sort of the investment process. And if someone does maybe see their account go down and they think, oh, I'm not okay with this, um, obviously you can't take the funds out, but you can switch funds. Now, would that be a good idea? Look, I'd, I don't think so. Well, again, depending on your investment horizon, but if you're, you know, if you are Therefore, let's just say a minimum of 20 years, then I, I always think you should have some sort of allocation to growth because, as I say, you know, there's sort of material outperformance that you are that you're potentially going to miss out on. So, but look, if you're at the end of your uh, working life and your time frame is quite a bit shorter, then you know, maybe an idea that you know, if you don't sort of have that tolerance, you know, to, to go to a slightly more conservative fund to, to hopefully help some protection with that. But as I say, if you're, you know, certainly if you're starting out in your working life or midway through, you know, I wouldn't be advocating to, to, to go any more conservative. Yeah, and certainly, and I mean, I guess this is applicable to any fund, right? There's 
if the share market takes a fall, at that time, that's a loss on paper. It's just kind of worth less if you were to sell it. You're not necessarily selling, but if you switch funds, then you've sold it and you've locked that loss in. To my mind, that is a very bad plan. No, exactly, because you're just, as you say, as you rightly say, you're just realising those sort of uh, paper losses. So, yeah, look, I don't, we, we certainly don't advocate for that sort of investing. And I think, you know, more and more, uh, as I say, you know, we would be encouraging people to sort of almost average in, if you like. So, you know, you may have, um, as long as you're not investing all your wealth at that one time at the top of the market, then, you know, KiwiSaver doesn't allow you to do that. It's, a, it's sort of a constant drip feed of money that comes through. So, you know, you're buying different assets at different prices across different cycles, if you like. So, you know, that really is the major positive about KiwiSaver that I think is potentially misunderstood also. You know, you're not sort of putting all your eggs in one basket at a particular time in the market. So, you know, it's spread across your um, your working life. So I think that's, as I say, that's, that's a real benefit of KiwiSaver. Yeah, and you were saying about, you know, the themes of this episode and dead right. I also think, you know, and one of the themes is see this stuff coming. Markets go up, they go down. It's normal and plan for it and don't panic. Absolutely. Oh, excellent. Well, on that positive note, we will leave it there. Thank you so much. That's Mark Fowler from Hobson Wealth. Now, you might have a question about this episode or maybe some totally different money issue. Either way, let me know and I can address it in a future podcast episode. I'm on Facebook at Francis Cook Journalist, Twitter at Francis Cook and Instagram at FrancisCookNZ if you want to talk money while looking at my very cute cats. Don't forget to subscribe to stay in the know on personal finance. Cooking the Books is on Apple Podcasts and iHeartRadio. And until next time, have a great day. And that's Francis cooking up your business confidence for another week on News Talk ZB.